Hello, friends. It's me, the president of Chickenlandia. Did you know that I have a new book that is now available for purchase? You heard that right. It's called Let's All Keep Chickens, The Down-to-Earth Guide to Natural Practices for Healthier Birds and a Happier World. It's now available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local bookstore, and more. For more information on how you can grab your copy, just click the link in the show notes. It's so exciting, I can barely handle it. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to Chickenlandia's 100% friendly podcast, Bok Talk. This show will help you learn all about how backyard chicken keeping can be fun, entertaining, and stress-free. Here's your host, the president of Chickenlandia! Oh my gosh, I don't have my mic. (laughs) Can you guys hear me? (laughs) Oh, the sound is not going to be good today. Can you guys hear me good? Oh boy. Oh well. I knew I was missing something, but anyway... (laughs) I'm glad you can hear me. Um, So today we are going to be talking about eye problems in chickens and what we can do about them. I do receive a lot of messages and comments about chickens with eye issues, and we're heading into the colder season where respiratory stuff, it becomes more common. So I think this is going to be a good episode for all of you. I do have a a question that was submitted through my website, welcome to chickenlandia.com. I'm going to chat for a little bit about this subject, and then I'm going to answer that question. And after that, I will open up the chat live here on YouTube for your questions. If you want to submit a question to Bok Talk, all you have to do is go to welcome to chickenlandia.com and go to the contact section While you are there, you're going to want to join the mailing list. It's called Chickenlandia Nation. It is the greatest mailing list in all of the multi-universes and beyond. I know that for sure. (laughs) And I will send you a discount to my online course, Chickenlandia's Backyard Chicken 101, a chicken course for everyone. This is my fun, interactive course. It's a great way to get direct access to me. And also the Chickenlandia Presidential Advisor, who is my co-instructor, um, because you can an- you can ask questions within the course. So I'm super proud of it, and I hope to see you there. All right, I, I am so like so. I don't even know if the Chickenlandia Presidential Advisor is going to come today because I forgot to tell her. Okay, <laughs> and, and I don't have my mic. I have been, I, I'm getting over a cold. Today's like the the day where I feel fine, but I'm just like so behind on everything. So anyway, that's what's happening right now. First, first, before I move on, I need to make two announcements because I just bought a whole bunch of stuff. Okay, I, I just bought a whole bunch of decorative stuff for outer chickenlandia that's the new part of my chicken yard um and i need to make some money before the first man finds out how much money i just spent on my chickens so i want to let you know that this podcast as always was brought to you by the folks at my favorite chicken my favorite chicken is my online shop to get my chicken feed i get my non-gmo organic and socially responsible scratch and peck feed from 
my favorite chicken. Um, I get my chicken supplies. I get other fun chicken stuff, uh, chicken treats. I will leave a link for you in the show notes. That is my favorite chicken. This podcast is also brought to you by the folks at Small Pet Select. Small Pet Select is a small local company to me, but they have an online store that I absolutely love. Um, Right now, what am I using? I am using their rose and lavender paper shavings, which is like a luxury item I'm using right now in the nesting boxes. I absolutely love it. I also use their pet greens. Um... And I use their flaked oyster shell. They also have lots of other products. If if you have like little fuzzy animals like chinchillas or hamsters or bunnies, they've got lots of stuff for you in addition to all their chicken stuff. So I will leave a link for you in the description to Small Pet Select and a coupon code for you. Okay? So most of you know that I used to have, I used to have this little cranky little rooster. And his name was Philippe. And for those of you that have been following me for any amount of time, you've heard me talk about Philippe. You've, you know, he was like a big character on my channel for a long time. And Philippe passed away earlier this year. And even though he was honestly, he was so rotten to me his whole life. <laughs> he was so rotten to me. <laughs> I do think Philippe loved me in his own like, roosterish way um and it turns out that I really 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 loved him I mean I did because I was super sad when he died and honestly the chicken yard has not been the same without him um so it's been tough but he had a good life while he was here and so I try to keep that close to my heart Um, But the reason I'm talking about Philippe is that uh, he died of a chronic issue ever since he came down with a a respiratory illness, and that happened when he was about nine months old. And, you know, one morning I went into the chicken coop. This was back at my old property, and Philippe was, I mean, he was just gasping for air, and he was totally congested. His mouth was open. There was like all this gurgling going on. So I know he had all kinds of congestion going on. And I thought, oh my gosh, he's not going to make it. I mean, that was like my first thought when I saw him is that there's no way he's going to come back from this. I did, I felt like he was beyond veterinary care. And when I have a chicken that is very far gone, I will not take them to the vet because I don't want them to die at the vet's office. I think if if I was a chicken, I wouldn't want that. And I feel like a chicken would rather die among its flock or at least near its flock and not like scared at a vet's office. And that's happened many times and I don't like it. So I try to avoid it whenever possible. So what I did is I, I brought him inside. I put him in our downstairs bathroom and I immediately started the rest method, which you know, means that I gave him electrolytes, vitamins, and probiotics. I gave him some scrambled eggs, and I just gave him some quiet time away from the flock so that he could use all his resources to work on getting well. And if you want to learn more about the REST method, Chickenlandia's REST rest method for sick chickens, then I will leave that link for you in the show notes. So after I you know, I observed Philippe's symptoms. I gave him, I decided to give him a homeopathic. And the one I chose 
was called antimonium crudum in the 30C potency. And I have found that this particular homeopathic works well when there's like that rattling, like gurgling sound going on in the sinuses. Um, and if you want to learn more about dosing homeopathics, I'll also put a link in the show notes about using homeopathics with chickens. And, you know, sometimes this might not be the right one. I'm not saying that this is the right homeopathic for all respiratory problems, but it is, it is one that I have reached for a lot. And specifically when they have that like rattling sound, you know, when I think of antimodium crudum, I think of like all that crud in their, <laughs> in their sinuses and you could just hear it. So anyway, I gave him a dose of that. And then I took a paper towel and I put a few drops of some gentle essential oils on the paper towel. I think I probably used like lavender, eucalyptus, mint, uh, probably thyme. And I took that and I hung that in the shower stall um, so that it kind of, you know, was in the air. And, you know, I did that and then I was like, I don't know how I'm going to find him in the morning. I don't know if he's going to be alive in the morning. That's really what I ha I had, you know, come to terms with. Well, uh, the next morning, I got woken up very early by some very loud crowing, <laughs> really early in the morning. It was coming from inside the house, and it was Philippe. He had, like, flown up to the top of the shower stall, and he was singing his song, and his sinuses were completely clear and he was happy. And he, I think I put him out, back out very soon after that. Maybe I kept him for a couple of days inside. But uh, very quickly after that, he was well enough to go back outside. And I do wish that that was the end of the story. But unfortunately, it wasn't. Um, Philippe had chronic issues after that. He went on to live several more years. But throughout his life, he would get intermediate swelling of his one of his eyes and it had to be treated with medication from the vet. Um, and you know, to many people, if they saw the swelling, it would appear, you know, it's like he has a swollen eye. It would appear like the main problem is the swollen eye, but that was actually not the case. You know, Philippe had a growth inside his nair or a nostril. Okay. So, um, you know, for, for chickens, the, the nair is, the nostril is called a nair. And it was such a significant growth that it was basically like in his head. And the, the vet was able to remove a lot of it, but not all of it. And eventually, you know, he, it, it would get infected from time to time. He would have to take antibiotics. And then eventually, you know, that, that, that's what, you know, he died from. Okay. So all this to say is that, you know, when my, when a chicken has a problem with one of its eyes, a lot of people will wonder, you know, when they, they tell me if, if people come to me and they say, look, I have a chicken that has a problem with one of its eyes, you know, it's swollen or it's red or there's discharge or whatever. What I will often wonder at that point is if the problem is actually with the eye itself or if it's signaling a more systemic issue going on. Okay. So with that going on, with that in mind, let's move on to the listener question. And this is from Aaron. Hello, Mrs. President. Hello. Or hello, Mrs. President, she says. 
I have a pullet with a swollen, cloudy eye. There is no other facial swelling and no discharge from the eye or anywhere else. She is behaving completely normally and no other chickens are affected. I brought her inside four days ago and have been doing the rest method. She's been getting scrambled eggs with herbs nightly in addition to her regular feed and listening to relaxing music for pets. Well, that's sweet, but I bet that helps. Um, I also started applying some teramycin ointment two days ago. Okay, that's good. Uh, Before that, I'd been rinsing with saline solution. Her eye is minimally better, but it hasn't improved much. The good news is it's not getting worse. Um, Is there anything else I should be doing? Should I put her back with the flock? It's a comfortable temperature outside now. I'm worried she might be getting lonely and bored. Unfortunately, I can't spend more time with her than I already am, but she definitely appreciates the company. Uh, thank you so much for all you do. I wouldn't have known where to begin without you, Aaron. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Aaron. Um, so I, I want to start out by first saying that, of course, of course, I am not a veterinarian. And because of that, I can't really offer you a diagnosis. It could, it could honestly be, it could be so many things. Um, and I'm going to list some of the things it could probably be. Uh, th- these aren't all of the things, but some of the things. I do think, you know, your what you've done so far is great. And, you know, if the weather is good outside, then you might consider putting her outside in an area, you know, where she can see the flock and the flock can see her, but they don't actually get to each other. Um, but just keep in mind, and especially if you just put her outside and integrate her with a flock, you know, there's a chance of exposure there. And you you would just have to use your, you know, your best judgment and your gut. Of course, the flock has likely already been exposed if it's something that is contagious. Um, so I, I just think in that case, you'll just have to weigh your risks and go with what you feel is best on that one. Um, you know, obviously I put Philippe back out with his flock and Philippe would recover within his flock because he hated being away from his flock. Um, you know, he would be on medication and have that swelling in his eye and he would be with his flock. Um, so that was a call that I made. I was willing to absorb that risk. And that's just, you know, what we have to do sometimes is just uh, say, you know, pray for the best and just do what we think is best. All right. So let's think about what it could be. If it is a, if it, if it's a respiratory illness causing this, you know, one telltale sign would be that there likely would be other respiratory problems in addition to the eye issue. So some of these issues are easy to spot, like, you know, a runny, runny sinuses discharge um, from the nares, from the eyes, maybe uh, bubbly eyes, um, Mouth breathing is one, and I noticed that with Philippe, like he didn't really have like discharge coming out. Um, but after a while, he after he would run or get, you know, he would chase me and try and attack me or whatever, and then I would see that he was mouth breathing, and it like really took a lot out of him to do that. So that's another signal. Um, of course, of course, lethargy is is a is an indication of something else going on. Um, difficulty eating is one or changes in comb color. Like if the comb like is also uh, all of a sudden it's purplish or it's just darker, then these are among the signs that you would look for. Um, 
what is more common than like a viral uh, respiratory um, illness, especially where I live, are bacterial respiratory infections. Um, and the two big ones are coryza or uh, coryza, depending on who you're talking to, <laughs> um, and mycoplasmosis. Okay. And both of these can cause eye issues and they usually would need some kind of systemic treatment, usually antibiotics, not just like a local eye treatment. So even if the eye is the main sy symptom or even the only symptom, they would need some kind of systemic treatment in order to overcome it if they're, if they are to overcome, um, a condition like that. So, you know, any antibiotics through a licensed veterinarian is probably your best bet for a, a bacteria, bacterial respiratory infection. I don't immediately go to that. Um, you know, if I see a chicken that's sneezing or having some kind of discharge, I will usually first try some natural treatment, such as like, you know, of course, bringing them in, doing the rest method, and then in addition to that, I'd give them like garlic. I'd give them some herbs like oregano and thyme. I might try a homeopathic remedy that matched their symptoms. And I would probably use some gentle essential oils in their environment. And, you know, a lot of people don't have access to antibiotics. And I totally understand that. And also like now they've made it very difficult to get antibiotics without going through a licensed veterinarian. Um and then also some people just don't want to use them. So there's a, there are chicken products like oregano products that are a good option. You could also do one drop of oregano oil and you need to like mix, you know, shake the water really well to make sure that it's, you know, evenly distributed um, per gallon of water. That's an option that some people will, will use. A lot of people like colloidal silver. Um, and then, and then of course, adding garlic or, or, you know, and just dried oregano and thyme to their feed or scrambled eggs is a good addition, you know, to either one of those. You could do colloidal silver and, you know, some people will do a, a fairly high dose of colloidal silver in their water, like a one cup per gallon. Some people will completely replace the water with colloidal silver, which is very expensive, <laughs> unless you make your own colloidal silver. Um, but many people will do that. Um, my disclaimer is rolling because <laughs> I'm just telling you what people will do. Okay. And what, and the things that I have tried, I'm, I'm not a licensed veterinarian. Okay. Another thing that people will write, will ask about, you know, if they they have a chicken that is having an eye issue is they will ask, you know, could it be eye worm, which is also known as uh, Manson's eye worm, which is, you know, what a name. <laughs> but ugh, worm in your eye, like it's awful. It's a, it is exactly what it sounds like. It's a parasitic worm that affects chickens' eyes, okay? And this ailment is not common where I live. I, I live in uh, the Pacific Northwest and these parasites are primarily in tropical and subtropical climates. So, uh, you know, further south, you would see them as a more common thing. And if your chicken had this, you would, I mean, you would really observe them being visibly uncomfortable. They would be scratching at their eye. There would be redness, you know, cloudiness, 
probably fluid, just signs of like a secondary infection because it's so irritating to them. They're really just going to be visibly uncomfortable. So it's definitely not fun for chickens to deal with this. Um, and I'm glad, I'm really glad that we don't have it up here. Um, yet. <laughs> I shouldn't even, I should knock on some wood. Uh, so eyeworms can be treated with VetRx, which is an over-the-counter medication for chickens that's used for respiratory support. It's pretty natural. Um, it's just highly diluted essential oils and some other ingredients. I think if I had eyeworm in my flock, I would first try the VetRx to treat it. And I'm sure, like I've read the directions on how to do it. And I'm pretty sure the directions are right in the, you know, in the insert that comes with the bottle. It's probably not very comfortable for the chickens, but I would try that first before going with something else, unless you were seeing a licensed veterinarian and they gave you a different, you know, a different medication to use. Um, but, you know, I mean, there's probably other formulas that people have come up with, but VetRx is highly diluted in a way that's safe for chickens. And when you're using essential oils, especially anything internally, like aside from the oregano oil, like highly, highly diluted in the chicken's water, I usually will not recommend essential oils used internally with your chickens. So, but the VetRx is made to be used for things like this. So I would feel more comfortable using that than I would like a, a homemade remedy because if it was not properly diluted, it could be really awful for your chicken, okay? Okay, um, another thing that affects the eye is ocular merics. And if you look online at some of the photos of chickens with this type of Merrick's disease, it's, it's pretty weird looking. Like one eye will look significantly different than the other one. And usually how that looks is like one of the pupils will be a lot smaller and it might be cloudy and it might be a different color. Um, and then obviously they, you know, a lot of times they will go blind. If they survive for any amount of time, they will go blind. Now, whenever anyone in the in the chicken world mentions Merrick's, people get really panicked because it is known to be a disease that is like so awful that you're totally going to have to cull your whole flock. You're going to have to burn your coop down. You're going to have to wait 20 years before you get chickens again. <laughs> and none of that is necessarily written in stone, and especially in a backyard flock. Now, in a, in a factory, like a poultry house, yeah, like because Merrick, Merrick's affects the bottom line. So if you're thinking about, if the priority is like the, you know, how much money you're going to be able to make in your business and all of that, uh, I know I'm not, and I'm no fan of factory farms, okay, but I'm not saying that it's necessarily bad if you have a business that has to do with chickens, but just specifically with factory farms, they are worried most about their bottom line. So if something's going to affect laying, even if it doesn't kill the whole flock, they will, you know, just cull the flock and start over again. Okay. But in a backyard flock, it's, it's just a different situation. You know, you would likely have some losses. You might have significant loss, 
Not always. Okay. Um, it, it really depends on the strain and it depends on your chickens. It depends on their level of immunity. Uh, you know, you might have, if you have vaccinated chickens, they can still be carriers, but they might not succumb to the, the disease. Um, so you would just, you know, if, if this happened, you would just have a Merrick's positive flock and you would just need to be mindful about taking in new birds or rehoming new rehoming birds, especially with this information that you have about your flock. Okay. I, I have said this many times, but Merrick's is everywhere. It really is. It's everywhere. It, it, it's not a reportable disease. It's not necessarily a death sentence for your flock. Um, but that being said, you know, ocular merics is not a great form of the disease. Um, although some chickens will live a while with it, um, others will succumb to it. And as I stated before, it can cause blindness. So, you know, if I have, if I have this in my flock, what I would do is support the affected bird as much as I could with some antiviral herbs like oregano and garlic. I know garlic is technically a vegetable, but we, we always talk about it like an herb. Um, colloidal silver, again, probably replace their water for a period of time with colloidal silver. I would also give the whole flock some immune, immune boosting things um, like oregano oil, like a drop of oregano oil per gallon of water or some other kind of oregano product that's made specifically for chickens. Um, garlic, some colloidal silver, dried oregano and thyme, and really, really good nutrition. Okay. Uh, you know, last but not least, Aaron, if you're, if you're still listening at this point, <laughs> it is, it is possible that your chicken just has a localized injury to the eye or infection of the eye that, was caused by, you know, maybe they got into a scuffle, they got some kind of injury, or maybe they got some kind of foreign substance in the eye. If this is the case, your teramycin ointment is great. Um, it, and you can get, I'm pretty sure you can get that at, at, on like Chewy or Amazon. Um, if I find it, I'll put a link in the, in the show notes for you guys. Um, if somebody didn't have access to that, they could get some colloidal silver spray or they could um, put some colloidal silver in, in a dropper bottle and gently spray the face and eye with the colloidal silver or use the dropper directly into the eye. And that's not going to harm your chicken's eyes. And I think it's a great al alternative to antibiotics for an infection of the eye. And hopefully with some rest and relaxation and some time and some some comfort food uh your chicken will be happy and healthy and ready to resume you know normal chicken activity before no time okay so i know that was a lot i hope that was helpful to you aaron and to everyone else out there in the chickenlandia universe i really hope that was helpful to you all right now i am going to open up the chat for questions Okay. Uh, James Smith says, I lost my one silky hen this morning. No indication of her being sick. The body wasn't bitten, so it was not a predator. I am at a total loss. This happened on the same day as my chicks hatching. I'm so sorry, James. You know, it's not that uncommon. It's a little less common for a breed like a silky 
to experience what we call in chicken circles as a sudden chicken death. But it, you know, among chickens, it does happen that sometimes they just die and you just don't know why. You know, there was probably some pre-existing thing that was something that occurred even during incubation that, you know, made her susceptible to something and and she just, maybe she was going to lay an egg. Maybe she was laying internally maybe she had some kind of infection that you couldn't see from the outside. But I, I can tell you if you're, if you're here watching this, um, and you watch Chickenlandia, it was very likely nothing that you did. Um, it's just one of those things that can happen. And I wouldn't panic as far as like it being something contagious. Um, for now, I would just go forward, you know, mourn your loss and try not to worry. If you start getting other losses, then it, you know, you might be concerned. You might want to do some testing to find out what's going on. But for now, it's just, you know, it's just one of those things. It's probably um, not anything that's going to spread to the rest of your flock. And I'm so sorry that happened. But, you know, in the chicken yard, it's like we have losses and then there's always life again, you know, and, and, and you have the other chicks that are hatching. And so congratulations for that. Um, but I'm sorry about your silky. Uh, do you, re- uh, Marin asks, do you recommend giving chickens or in ducks kelp? You know, I I haven't done that. I think it's a good supplement to give them. Like it's going to give them just some extra vitamins and minerals in, in their, um, in their diet. I don't think that it's like imperative that you give it to them. It's a, it's a, you know, it's an extra expense. Um, but I, I'm so, I certainly don't recommend against it. I think it's a good thing to do to give them a kelp. I think that's a good supplement. Like I've, I've seen uh, Scratch and Peck used to have a kelp supplement. I think they don't have it anymore. Um, but I've seen it. Uh, I've seen some more so um, a few years ago. A lot of companies had them and had that product as a, that supplement product. And then I saw it kind of fall off. Um, you know, generally, aside from oyster shell, which you want to give, and then also some good quality uh, kitchen scraps, especially like leafy greens and stuff. That's usually going to be good for your chickens. But I, I certainly think it would be an extra boost. It would be good for them to give them some kelp. I know that many people do it. Uh, how can you tell if your chicken has agape worm? Agape, oh, agape worm. Um, so, the, so this question is from Hope. Uh, I think the telltale sign for gape worm is that you see them literally like opening their mouths and they having that kind that that kind of gape. Um, it, I don't know how to describe it like an expression or something. <laughs> like they will they will open their mouths wide and it'll look like they're like yawning or whatever, which sometimes chickens will just open their mouth. Sometimes they'll be adjusting their crop. And so they'll make that gaping motion. Um, but if they're doing it a lot, that would be your, your sign that could possibly be gape worm. That's another one that is not very common where I live. 
I think it's probably more common um, in the southern areas of the country. Um, but don't quote me on that because I'm not I'm not exactly positive about that. But yeah, that would be the telltale sign. That's you know you know hence the name. It's like they would be opening their mouths um, and doing that over and over again, and that that's how you would tell that they might have it. But you know, for any kind of parasite, I really think it's good to get a test done to find out what you're dealing with because not every parasite responds to the same medications. Um, depending on what you have, you may want to use a certain uh, medication for it. Um, so if possible, and I know it's not possible for everybody, but if possible, I would try to get a proper diagnosis on that. Uh, so Star Luna says, I have six chickens. How much should I feed them in a day? So I would usually start out with like a fourth of a cup for chicken and then go up from there. Um, they'll likely eat more than that. Uh, if you are free feeding, then you don't really have to worry about that. You just put the feed in their gravity feeder and they'll eat um, as much as as they want to throughout the day, they're not very likely to gorge themselves on chicken feed. Um, if you are doing something like fermented feed or you're feeding once per day, then you can start out with uh, one-fourth cup per chicken and then watch and look and see. You want them to have it all finished by like the afternoon time, okay? And at that point, that's when you can give kitchen scraps and make sure that they clean all of that up by the nighttime because you don't want that stuff out at night. Okay. Because that is just like inviting rats to the buffet. <laughs> so you don't want that. And same for, um, uh, you know, fermented feed. I would start out with one fourth of a cup per day and then go up from there and, and just make sure that they have enough that they're, that they have it until like the afternoon time and, and then they go clean that up. And that's when you can give them something else. Okay. Uh, so Gina asks, I have a 23 week old Wyandotte uh, pullet and she's still not laying. Should I be worried? No, don't be worried. Uh, 23 weeks, not a big deal. You know, it really depends. Like a lot of the, a lot of the times uh, it depends on the season that the chickens uh, when they mature, like let's say they they come into the point where they could be laying, you know, twenty weeks or so, but the days are the 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 daylight hours are shorter. They will they will wait until the daylight hours get longer before they start laying. Um, and then also, like breed has a lot to do with it. A Wyandot, depending how she's bred, like she may they they it might be a little bit longer before they start laying. You know, com compared to like a hybrid, like a red star or something, um, those chickens will start laying earlier. Okay. So at 23 weeks, I would not be worried. You're likely going to get an egg very soon. Okay. <laughs> so Ashley says, I have 13 hens and two roosters. Is that too many roosters for 13 hens? You know, technically, I'd like to see a, a few more hens. Um, you know, I would say one rooster per eight hens, you know, is kind of the minimum. It depend It really depends on the personality of your flock and the personality of your roosters. Like, 
they could be super chill and not, you know, it, it, it's not a problem. Uh, on the other hand, they could be could act totally the fool and <laughs> pester all the hands and they really need more hands. Generally, I would say you, you need a few more hands. Um, but if you really are hesitant to do that, you can wait and see how they do and go from there. So Angie, um, I don't know, like, I don't know what's going on. So Angie says, I have a silky chick whose eyes are swollen shut. I'm using Renew. I don't, I'm not sure what that is. Any recommendations? I would, if you're, if you're just coming in right now, Angie, I would go back and listen to this. I, and I talked about like some things that you can do initially when you have something like this. Um, chick with eyes swollen shut, you know, depending on the age, that's not a good sign. Like it, it's, it's possibly something like brooder pneumonia or something like that. Um, probably. And if it's, if it's both eyes, then it is a systemic issue um, rather than it just being, well, my best guess is that it's a systemic respiratory issue um, rather than it just being the eyes that are being affected. Um, so you would need to do some, treat her whole body. Um, so I would go back and listen to some of the recommend recommendations I make on this podcast for respiratory issues. And I, I hope she pulls through. I really do. Oh, monkey speaks says my rooster lost his crow with gape worm. That makes sense. Grits and red pepper flakes or cayenne pepper with garlic cures gape in my birds. That's interesting. I have not heard that. I'm glad that worked for you. Uh, Sinla Backyard Chickens asks, do you recommend red pepper flakes as a worm preventative? So, you know, my challenge with that is that I don't know what I, I, I haven't seen any studies about that. That doesn't mean that it doesn't work, um, that it doesn't have some kind of uh, antiparasitic effect. It likely has some effect on just, a, you know, regular like immune boost, immune boosting qualities to it. Um, and really, when you support the whole body of the chicken, that is your best prevention towards any kind of parasite, internal and external. Because parasites, they're, they're, they serve a very important role with the species that they're attached to. So a, par a parasite will have like its host species so with chickens, they, they will have parasites that will seek out the weakest birds, the birds that have some kind of issue going on. You know, they have a, a, a pre-existing illness. Uh, maybe they're a highly stressed for some reason. They're getting bullied or something. Because you will notice, like, when you have a parasite infestation, it could be affecting your whole flock. But the birds that are infested are the ones that are the weakest that already have, you know, likely have some kind of illness or stress condition in their life that is causing them to be a host to these parasites that are meant to kind of get rid, you know, they're meant to make their species stronger, their host species stronger. Okay. So anything that you would give that would be immune boosting to them, um, would give them vitamins and minerals support their bodies, um, then it's likely going to have a positive effect. So I would never say like, 
don't give red pepper flakes to your chickens as a worm preventative. Um, but what I would say is like, I don't know what the dosage would be for that. I don't know that it specifically works as a, you know, I certainly don't know if it has like an effect on an existing infestation. And I don't know if it would do the job of just keeping parasites away completely. Okay. So I would say have that as part of your toolkit. If you, if you have, if you feel like it has some effect, have that as part of your toolkit and, but not as the toolkit. Okay. Just one of the things that you reach for to support the overall body of your, your birds. Okay. You know, and I feel the same way about all the other stuff, like pumpkin seeds and, you know, diatomaceous earth, these things that unfortunately there hasn't been a lot of studies, actually pumpkin seeds, there has been a few studies and they've been positive, you know, it just shows some effect. Now it's, these are highly concentrated doses of, of pumpkin seed. So we don't really have that, you know, you can feed a lot of pumpkins for your chickens and it likely is making them healthy because healthier because it's, it's really good for them. And it's likely having some effect, but we don't really know. I don't know what to tell you as far as like, if you want a preventative, here's what you need to do. And this is the amount you need to give. I just don't have that information because the studies don't exist because there's no money in it. <laughs> so I wish they did. And, and we're seeing, we're starting to see more of that. But, you know, I mean, in even a homeopathic, like the homeopathic Cina, C-I-N-A, that is the homeopathic you would give if you had paras- you know, a parasitic infestation in your flock. But even as someone that uses home- home- homeopathics a lot, I believe in home- homeopathy, I have seen it work. I wouldn't have that as my only, is the only thing I did. I would have that part of, you know, my toolkit. Okay. Um, Over B Fine Art asks, can you give chickens yogurt? As a natural probiotic, thanks. You absolutely can. You want it to be plain whole milk yogurt, okay? Make sure it doesn't have, you know, fillers or uh, um, like um, artificial sweeteners, a lot of sugar or anything like that. You just want it to be plain whole milk yogurt. And I would have that as a treat, okay, and just be very balanced about it. So, you know, I always talk about in Chickenlandia, the Chickenlandia chicken food pyramid. Um, you know, at the bottom, you have their, their feed that's appropriate for their stage of life. In the middle, you have um, kitchen, healthy kitchen scraps, like mostly leafy greens, low sugar fruits. And then at the top, you have their treats. And that's where you have, like, you know, good, high-quality uh, nutrient dense treats, something like uh, plain whole milk yogurt is a great treat for them, but in moderation. Katie, okay, Katie Bradford, how do you know if your chickens are overweight? I think my girls have too much base. <laughs> are you fat shaming your chickens? <laughs> um, you know, I think. Here's the thing. Give them new, good nutrition. If you're familiar with the Chickenlandia chicken food pyramid, use that as your guide. Make sure that they have a lot of room, enough room to, as much room as you can give them, okay? 
um, at least at the very least 10 square feet of space in their run per standard size chicken. Lots of enrichment. Okay. You can use like, you can give them perches. You can take big branches that fell during the windstorm and put them in your run. Things that will keep them occupied and keep them moving because a chicken that is healthy is going to be moving all the time. They're going to be pecking and scratching. They're always looking for food, but they're also always exercising. Okay. And if that is the case and you won't really need to worry about whether or not your chickens are too fat. Okay. Katie made a, a comment earlier that her chickens look like the, Bay, the Baywatch. <laughs> Actually, that's good because the Baywatch, the Baywatch people are in really good shape when they're running towards her. And it's so funny. And Philippe did this too. Like they run and they're like their legs kind of go out and they're like running at you. <laughs> but really, like most of that is like their feathers. So what you're seeing, you know, this big fluffy butt, but, it, but when they get wet, they look like these little skinny scraggly things. So if they have enough, if they have good nutrition and enough exercise, I would not worry about them being fat. Just make sure everything's balanced and you will very likely be fine. Okay. If they're, if they are like swollen or something, you will know, you will be able to feel it. It will, it will feel very obvious to you that there's an issue. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining me today. I know that there's more questions and I'm so sorry I didn't get to all of them. Remember, you can go to my website, welcome to chickenlandia.com and submit your questions to Bok Talk. Thank you to my moderator and co-producer, Kelsey Paulus, who knows to come here and moderate these shows, even when I don't tell her. <laughs> She's also known as the Chickenlandia presidential advisor Thank you to Talking to Crows for editing this episode and to Double M Ranch for their wonderful podcast art. Folks, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, please remember to rate and review it. If you are on Apple Podcasts, it really helps. If you have, what's the other one that I can't think of right now? The big one, Spotify. Um, that also helps me. But the main thing that helps me is when you remember that you are always welcome in Chickenlandia. Bye! Dahlia Monterosso, also known as the president of Chickenlandia, is a backyard chicken educator in Northwest Washington. To submit your question to Bok Talk, visit welcometochickenlandia.com. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye!